Welcome to The Proper Car. I'm Drew Markey, your car ally. I'm an automotive enthusiast and industry expert. This podcast will help you make better purchases, avoid getting ripped off, and find ways to enjoy car ownership. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to The Proper Car Podcast. 2023 brings a new intro, new format, and many other changes that I hope you enjoy. As you heard in episode 50 at the end of 2022, I took a short break from podcasting to listen to and review your feedback so that I can continue to refine and improve upon this podcast. There was a mixed bag of suggestions, critiques, and praise, and all of it was really great to hear and very helpful. So to start things off, the first change will be to the posting schedule, as you may have already noticed. I'm going to be doing a single weekly episode for the time being, at least for the foreseeable future, but it will be a little bit longer than my past episodes that I was doing twice a week. So even though I'm going from two episodes that averaged 20 minutes or so each to a single episode, it should be somewhere around the same amount of time that you get from the podcasts on a weekly basis. One of the other changes will be to use this intro as a time to speak on automotive industry news, updates that I have on my end, whether it's about, you know, things that I'm doing with the business or I don't know, maybe personal life uh, and any short topics or, you know, the occasional rant that might come up. Things that I don't know really necessitate a full episode. The bulk of each episode will be a single segment that is going to cover the topic of the day. And that content will primarily focus on buying and ownership info and advice, as that's really the biggest goal of this podcast. And it seemed to be the primary things that people were interested in based on my first 50 episodes. At the end of each episode, I'm going to be doing a really quick wrap up, uh, which could kind of serve as like a podcast version of a TLDR too long, didn't read. And we'll give you a heads up about what's to come in the next episode before my typical sign off. I'm excited to make these changes and I hope that you continue to enjoy and benefit from the podcast going forward. All right, enough about what's to come. Let's just go ahead and get into this episode because there's more to it than just an update about the format. Today's topic is going to be around one of my biggest concerns for the financial well-being of car buyers, being upside down. It's probably even scarier than the upside down that's portrayed on Stranger Things on Netflix, but I'll get more into that in the coming segment. Since this is the first episode back, and I think that this is a topic that really has a lot that needs to be covered, I wanted to keep this intro section a little bit shorter. Future episodes will probably have a little bit more content within this portion, but there's a lot to cover on today's topic. So let's go ahead and take that scary leap into the upside down. Entering into the upside down world is terrifying. It will haunt you and keep you up at night. You'll be lost, 
with a nearly impossible mountain to climb before you have any chance of getting out. If you've ever seen the horrifying depiction of the upside down in Stranger Things, you're experiencing a visual representation of how it feels to go upside down on a car loan. And look, if that sounds like a really over-the-top way to describe this financial situation, stick with me for a minute, and I think you're going to understand it really is not. The term upside down is used to describe a loan someone has on a car where they owe more than the car is worth. This happens for many reasons, which are going to be outlined in just a moment. And when you find yourself upside down, you're constantly at an even greater financial risk than if you were in a positive equity situation on your car loan. The other way to describe this term upside down is negative equity. And whether we're talking about positive or negative, the concept is that you either owe more or less than the value of the car that you're making payments on. Ideally, you're driving around in a car where you have fully positive equity. You own it outright. But there are tons of people driving around upside down with negative equity on their car loan. And I also find it really interesting how these other phrases align so closely with personal well-being. Positive and negative are terms used often to describe how we feel, our mood, our outlook on life, and so on. And in financial terms, positive equity is a very good thing, and negative equity is very bad. You may be wondering why this is such a big deal. Most car loans have a fixed term on them, so as long as you can afford your monthly payment until that term is up, you'll pay the car and that negative equity off soon enough. But it doesn't always work out that way. Let's say someone crashes into your car, totaling it, and leaving you now with a car that doesn't work and you are forced to go find a replacement. Well, if you're upside down, then you're not only going to find yourself having to find another car that replaces the one you just had, but you're going to have to also come up with extra money to pay off the bank for whatever that portion of the loan is that is negative equity. So if the insurance company is giving you a certain amount of money for the car, no more, but you owe more than that amount, you're stuck paying that difference. And the amount can be pretty significant. For example, if you are $5,000 upside down on your car and it's totaled, you're gonna be on the hook for $5,000 that must be paid to the bank to close out that loan. And guess what? Most people who find themselves in a position where they have loans greater than the value of their car are not in a position to write a check for that amount, meaning that they typically use other forms of credit to again cover these financial struggles, which then only digs a deeper hole than they were just in. So why do people end up in this situation? The increased prices of new and used cars in the past few years is one way for sure. 
let's say you bought a lightly used car in late 2021 and you find yourself needing to trade it in on another car at this point there's a very good chance that the high retail price you paid at that point versus the much lower wholesale price that you're going to be offered for it now will be significant enough that you'll be incapable of covering the losses with money that you could put down on the car. Whether you sell the car yourself, trade it in, or you just continue to make payments and keep the car, each situation is going to put you in a spot where you're continuing to pay more than you would in an ideal situation. Historically speaking, the most common reason people find themselves upside down in a car loan is because they traded in a car that still had a loan on it. The difference in the price from a retail purchase and a wholesale trade-in is pretty significant. It's often 10 to 20% of the car's value. There are lots of reasons for this, which have both been covered in the past and will continue to be discussed more in future episodes, but this alone will be a big portion of the reason for a negative balance when comparing your payoff to the trade value. Many other reasons force this to happen though. Expensive documentation fees and other charges that the dealer sticks you with when you buy a car, so when you bought that last car and took out a loan, are often either financed into the total or they take a huge chunk out of what you would be putting down on your car. Added products that you didn't need are another reason. And the combination of these additional fees when you go buy a new or lightly used car at a dealership will often tack on an extra two to $5,000 or more onto the total amount of your purchase. So depending on how much you are putting down on your car, that might eat up all of your down payment. It might be more than your down payment. Long finance terms are also one of the big reasons why people find themselves in this position. The way the dealer got you to a payment that you could afford while adding all of that extra garbage and fees to your purchase was to extend the length of your loan from a reasonable term to one that might be five, six, or seven years long. If you bought that car only a couple years ago and you're ready for something new, you've only just started making decent payments toward the principal amount of your loan. And the reason that this happens is because longer loan term typically means that you are going to be paying a huge amount of interest up front. This is often seen in mortgages. Somebody with a 30-year mortgage is paying almost nothing toward the principal on their loan. They're mostly just paying the interest for quite a few years. Thankfully, it's not as bad with car loans, but it's still definitely an issue. So let's say you financed $45,000 on that last loan, which was stretched out by the dealership to 84 months so that they could get you something around a $650 payment. After two years of ownership of that car, you've paid the bank nearly $16,000 in monthly payments. 
but your current balance is $34,000 on that loan. That means $5,000 of the money that you've spent over the last two years isn't really benefiting you at all. It's just a payment to the bank. And the car that you financed $45,000 on is probably only worth about twenty-four dollars to $30,000 on trade at this point, if not less. And this, friends, is how people find themselves upside down. You could probably guess what happens next. So you've had that car for a couple of years and you're now trading it in on another one. And in this situation, you once again are paying, you know, right around the full retail price of a car, plus the fees that they're going to charge you, the taxes, the registration. And even if you really try hard to avoid some extra products that they push on you this time, realistically, you're still going to be stuck with an extra four to $10,000 that you would have to put toward the down payment of your car just to offset the losses to go from this retail purchase to the wholesale trade value that you're getting for your car, especially to try to cover the negative equity that you have. So, you know, you pay what you can down and you roll the rest into your next loan, which then starts you off even more upside down than where you just were before you traded that last car in. By doing this, you also force a few other added expenses upon yourself. You're going to be in a position of higher interest rates and possibly even forced gap insurance. The reason for this is that you have just become more risky to lend that money to. Even if you've always paid on time and you have decent credit and you have a little cash that you're going to put down on this car, the bank will loan you more than the car is worth to an extent, but the added risk that they take on for financing an item at greater than the value that it's actually worth means that they're going to see it as a higher risk and they're going to increase your interest rate, which as a result costs you more money. And there are times when they will force you to buy gap insurance to be allowed to take on this loan which is of course in turn gonna be marked up as another product that can be uh, increasing the profits of the dealership. And as a result, that's gonna probably cost you around another $1,000. Cap insurance does provide you with a little peace of mind if the car is totaled, because the point of it is that it would cover that difference of your negative equity in that situation rather than you having to pay out of pocket. But as is always the case with insurance, you're just gambling. You're being forced to gamble if you are in a negative enough situation. What you're doing is you're paying them upfront for something that they know only has a small chance of actually happening. So the majority of people who buy gap insurance never use it, never benefit from it at all meaning that it only ends up becoming one more massive expense that they have to incur due to the financial position that they find themselves in. <sighs> okay, I bet by now you are feeling that dark and gloomy state that is the upside down. You can see why 
that is such a great way to kind of paint the picture of what it feels like when you are in a position where you have a significant amount of negative equity on the car that you're currently driving around in. And you can see why this creates such terrifying circumstances for car buyers. So the next step is you want to know, how do you never find yourself in this situation? Well, the first and easiest solution is to only buy what you can afford. And what I mean by that is what you can pay cash for without depleting your entire bank account. That's very difficult for most people. And in many cases, it means you may only have hundreds or a few thousand dollars that you can spend. Buying cars at that price point will create some of its own risks. But the reality is that a paid for car is the most positive equity situation that you'll possibly be in. The second and most common option is to buy what you can afford monthly payments on after making sure that you're paying enough down on the purchase to keep yourself in a positive equity situation. What that means is that you're probably putting around 15 to 20% down on the car. But that will depend on a lot of things, including how much your local taxes cost and the local registration fees, and especially where and how you're going about buying the car. If you get it from a friend or family member who's giving you a great deal and allowing you to avoid going through the dealership where you may have a lot of additional costs, then yeah, you might be able to pull off a lesser down payment and still stay in a pretty, you know, even to positive equity situation. But you should seriously consider that if you are buying a car from a dealership, especially if you're trying to pick something that's uh, a new model, something that's maybe a, a more desirable car, there's less inventory available. Um, those types of cars are going to be selling at MSRP still, if not possibly even over, which if you're going to be buying a car for over MSRP, you definitely need to be coming up with some money down. But aside from that, even if you're just buying a car at what seems like a reasonable, fair retail price, but you're buying it from a typical dealership, most of the time you're going to be paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in documentation fees and other things that they're going to be tacking on to increase their profits. So you need to be really prepared in those situations. You're paying the, the peak retail price of the car, and on top of that, you're going to be paying thousands of dollars in taxes, registration fees, and the other fees that they then tack on, you're going to have to come up with more money down, or you're going to have to be financing a much smaller amount to be able to make sure you stay even or positive on your loan. There are past episodes of this podcast that cover a lot more about budgeting and how you can figure out what you can truly afford. So to wrap this section up, I would recommend you check out some of those episodes. They're some of my earliest episodes of the podcast. Uh, so forgive me for the fact that they may be a little bit rougher than what you're hearing today. But either way, check those topics out. 
They're going to give you a lot more information and will help you with all of the things that you need to consider so that you stay out of the upside down. Okay, I know that this has been kind of a scary topic, a, a painful one to listen to, especially if you're currently upside down in a car loan. But I hope that the guidance I've provided today has helped you better understand the financial risks that you're taking on by allowing yourself to incur negative equity, as well as the personal and mental well-being that you can really gain if you find your way out of those types of situations. Finding your way out of the negative equity into positive equity and hopefully feeling those same effects on your level of stress and the stress on your finances. To summarize it, being upside down or having negative equity on your car comes from owing more than the car is worth. When this happens, you are paying the bank lots of extra money toward interest that often extends how long you have to pay for the car. And in many cases, you're going to find that it takes years before you ever have a chance to reach the point where you go from negative to positive equity on that loan. There can be a snowball effect to this, especially if you find yourself trading in on another car before you've had that car for very long, or if your car happens to be totaled in an accident. Staying away from this situation requires that you put as much money down on the car that you finance as is needed to make sure that you never owe more than the wholesale or trade-in value of that car during the entire course of ownership of it. Buying well within your financial means, paying cash for whatever you could afford, and steering clear of purchases with lots of added fees and products that are being sold to you are all ways that you can make sure that you don't find yourself upside down. If you have questions about this topic or would like to speak with someone about your upcoming car purchase or your ownership related questions, please reach out to me at podcast at thepropercar.com. I would love to help you. And if you found this information helpful or you work with me one-on-one -on -one and would like to support me so that I can continue to help people with their car needs, please visit thepropercar.com slash thank you, where you can pay what you can or pay what feels fair for my guidance and services. Options range from a $5 buy me a coffee to larger amounts for more in-depth services. And you can customize the amount by selecting any quantity that you wish to reach the amount you feel is fair. I really appreciate your support. And next week, we're gonna talk about an important ownership topic, the big repair bill. It's a question I'm asked often by clients who want to try to keep their cars as long as possible because it can be a very challenging decision that they have to make. So keep an eye out for that episode, which is set to drop next Wednesday. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of my other content, please consider subscribing and share it with people that you know who may benefit from this kind of car knowledge. 
My goal is to help as many people as possible with car buying and ownership, to be your car ally, and your help spreading the word is incredibly helpful. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive.